I'm very excited this morning to talk to you. Bill Smith, I want to be very careful that we're clear that you are Bill Smith of Pioneer Institute uh, talking about it's not as as exciting as a slap at the Oscars, but I mean, it's the 340B program, so it's pretty exciting. I love when governments uh, give really uh, boring names to things, but uh, I'm going to guess that 99% of people listening to this podcast have no idea what the 340B program is, how it works, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And, um, you know, I think during the pandemic, certainly like in so many parts of life, uh, healthcare changed and we all started doing televisits and all kinds of other things. But meanwhile, and I have said this about the Missouri legislature many times, they often have very good intentions and pass laws that I think I am excited and agree with. And then they get implemented in a way that they either have to go back and fix them, or I eventually just want them to go away. And of course that happens. Of course it happens with Congress too. But what we're going to talk about today is the specific supposed drug program for low-income individuals, which sounds like a great thing, but you're one of the first people who has really researched this and written about it. And so just if you could, in a nutshell, explain what 340B is. Sure. You know, and if your listeners just see the title of this, they might say, oh, here's some PhD wonks talking about some obscure program. Actually, probably by next year, the 340B program will be the largest federal drug program in the United States. This year, it eclipsed the federal Medicaid drug program, which has 80 million recipients. And next year, it's likely to eclipse the Medicare Part D program for seniors, the drug program for seniors. $78 billion changes hands in the, the 340B program. And I'll just give a quick snapshot of where it came from. Basically, in the 70s and 80s, on a voluntary basis, pharmaceutical companies gave deep discounts on their drugs to hospitals that treated a lot of uninsured and low-income patients. The pharma companies knew these hospitals had financial challenges and difficulties, so they granted them all these deep discounts. Uh, In its eminent wisdom, in 1992, the federal government decided they were going to require this. They were going to mandate that pharma companies had to give discounts to certain hospitals treating lots of low-income patients. And they used the eligibility criteria for the program. If you treated about 12% of your patient population as Medicaid recipients, you became eligible for the program. Because they they thought the number of Medicaid patients is kind of a proxy for the neighborhood you might be in. It might be a poor rural or, or urban area where you know, you're treating a lot of Medicaid patients, you probably have treating uninsured patients and other patients who need charity care. So that's and how and they that's the real kicker, right? The uninsured patients. So they're identifying hospitals that probably have people walking off the street into the emergency room and they need, could be very expensive medications. They can't afford them. The, the hospital won't get reimbursed. So the federal government required pharmaceutical companies to provide the drugs at a deeply discounted price. Precisely. Okay. Precisely. And the program started out relatively modest and small, and they, they gave it to there were about 500 hospitals enrolled early on in clinics, clinics that treat AIDS patients and other clinics that treat low-income p- patients. Um, and the, the program worked relatively well, um, but what happened is Medicaid exploded. Sure. So it went from 50 million patients to 85 million patients today, which means that- Under Medicaid expansion? Under Medicaid expansion and COVID. They, they oh, yeah, sure. Expanded Medicaid again under COVID. So the program went from about 500 hospitals to 2,500 hospitals. 
And I want to explain why this program is so attractive to hospitals, because yeah. they, they can arbitrage the discounts that they get under the 340B program. What do I mean by that? Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, explain what you mean by that uh, it, in very basic it's, terms. It's quite simple. So the, the medium price for an oncology drug these days is about $100,000. So if a hospital can purchase a uh, oncology drug at a 75% discount, say only $25,000, and they can get a patient who has insurance to come into the hospital and get treated with that oncology drug, they can build the insurance company for $100,000, the list price, and then pocket $75,000. I want to make this uh, clear because, as I understand it, the intent of the law would would be that if a hospital is able to get a hundred thousand dollars for a drug that they paid twenty five thousand dollars to, the thinking on the part of Congress was that they would take that seventy five thousand dollars and invest it into the low income community. Is that right? That's exactly right. Just they, because they're nice people. They thought the hospitals would have much more money for community programs that serve yeah. low income and uninsured patients, you know, uh, putting together a ride service to help people get to the hospital and get treated, any, any number of community programs like that. But what we found in this study, we looked at a, a five major hospital systems in Massachusetts. And what we found was as 340B revenues were going way up for hospitals, the charity care programs being offered by the hospitals were declining. Hmm. Um, which is not <laughs> what you would expect and not surely the congressional intent. Now, I'm, I'm not alleging anything malicious in this. I think if they were probably declining because more people were covered under Medicaid. So people that used to show up without insurance and the hospital had to eat the total cost of their care, now we're, we're enrolled in Medicaid. Um, but nonetheless, the program shouldn't be exploding at a time when hospitals need to provide less charity care. That, that's my, the point that we found in the paper. So, so in education, we think we know who, what schools serve low-income students, and we direct resources there, except that now there's a new program, which is great for children, which is if at least 40% of the students qualify for the lunch program, you can count the whole school and everyone can have a free lunch and an after-school snack and a breakfast. Great for children, because children learn better when they've eaten, but it's sort of really strongly, very much diluted what we know about which schools are serving low-income students. And I think one of the problems with this law that I see is that the hospital qualifies, not the patient. So once the hospital serves enough low-income patients, they qualify. So even if you walk in the door and you're a millionaire, you can participate in the 340B program. Is that right? That's precisely right. In fact, I, I would go further. And I would say there's an, a perverse incentive for hospitals to treat lots of high-income patients who have sure. good insurance and because then they can arbitrage the discount, as I the way I described it. And what's happening all around the country is 340B hospitals are going into wealthy suburbs and they're buying up physician practices, oncology physician practices, Th specialty that's the, pharmacists. That's the part of your paper I can't get that. that's, I can't get yeah, beyond that's, that. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, and, and the program was supposed to be enrolling hospitals and clinics located in low-income neighborhoods, rural and, and urban, but low-income neighborhoods where a patient wandering in is more likely to be low-income or have un, be uninsured. And the opposite is happening. They're, they're expanding into areas where there's, there's very good insurance. 
And then there's even some evidence, and I've read some studies, that they're gaming the system to try to, some hospitals are gaming the system to try enroll 12% Medicaid patients and then yeah. stop there and yep. get the discounts, uh, but not, not go any further in treating low-income patients. So uh, it's the, pro the program needs a major overhaul, and you're right, uh, a millionaire, Jeff Bezos should not be able to go into Mass General here in Boston and get a 340B drug discount. I mean, so how is this affecting the pharmaceutical companies? They're selling everything at a discount, it sounds like. Yeah, the, this is a huge program and their revenues are taking a big hit. And, you know, I wouldn't be as concerned about that if the revenues that the hospitals were securing were going to charity care. Sure. But that doesn't seem, you know, I wouldn't be criticizing this program, I don't think, for its size or for the revenues that the hospitals are getting if all that money was being spent in in poor areas, but that doesn't seem to be the case. You've got some in your paper on the Massachusetts hospitals, you have some uh, revenue numbers, uh, profit numbers actually, that hospitals are are reaping from this program in the tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, so uh, you know, one estimate, first of all, hospitals don't disclose how much revenue they get individually from the program, not surprisingly. And that's one reform Congress could make. Transparency. Because then we could compare their revenues with their charity care and see whether there was an imbalance. Um, so that's one, one potential reform uh, that could be made. But I don't wanna paint with too broad a brush because we did find hospitals in Massachusetts, Boston Medical Center, Cambridge Hospital in Cambridge, which is a Harvard hospital that had very high charity care numbers. 10, 15% of their revenues were, were going to treating uh, um, low income and uninsured patients. So. You know, this isn't an across the board thing for all hospitals, but a lot of hospitals are gaming the system and are not providing uh, large amounts of charity care. I will say that the Shomi Institute has begun looking into this in Missouri. We know that this is absolutely happening in Missouri. Missouri is not uh, somehow more altruistic than the other states. The hospitals in Missouri are taking advantage of this program, just like hospitals everywhere. And in addition, in Missouri, we have this provider tax whereby hospitals can inflate their prices in something called a provider tax that the federal government then reimburses them for. Yes. So it's just like a weird multiplier that we call a provider tax. And so the hospitals in Missouri seem to be really heavily relying on these federal programs. And then they turn around and kind of cry poor, even though they're actually able to, especially with Medicaid expansion, which we just passed a year ago and we haven't really seen it kick in, but as it does, I'm guessing, just like you said, fewer people are showing up in the emergency room with no insurance. They should at least have Medicaid. Yeah. And the Medicaid reimbursements are not very generous, to be honest. Sure, I mean, sure. uh, hospitals some, sometimes write off a Medicaid patient because their, their, their MRI is $1,000 cheaper than what they charge. And so they write that off as, as, as charity care. Um, but they are getting some revenue and they're seeing fewer and fewer um, uninsured patients coming in. So if this is a runaway train, it sounds like it is. How do we fix it? Number one, I do think you're right about we're, we're working on this issue of transparency. Healthcare costs have got to be the most opaque thing that exists. Like no one has any idea what they pay for any medical service. And I know that federal government's been attempting to fix that. I'm not sure that that fix of hospitals um, displaying their prices. I don't know how, how much that's going to do. But what would you do in terms of transparency for this program? Yeah, I think that would be the first thing to do because it would be the easiest thing to do. And, yeah. and right now, the, the definition of charity care is not exactly clear. You know, some hospitals write off when a, when a middle-income patient 
doesn't pay their deductibles, sometimes the, the hospital writes it off as charity care. Um, and so tightening the definition of charity care and then making hospitals disclose revenue from 340B programs, that would allow an apples apples comparison between what revenues were coming into the hospital and what they were spending to help with community programs. And I think I think that might raise some eyebrows. Um, and the Pioneer Institute and the Show Me Institute could start looking at those numbers, precisely. publishing but, them. Making sure right now, there's no legal them. obligation for a hospital to disclose their um, their 340B revenues. Okay, we, then we, uh, what's another fix? Because it seems to me that, I mean, we have prescription drug programs for low-income people, but um, somehow uh, leveling the playing field rather than rather than certifying the hospital, somehow just certifying the patient, but I'm, I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think, I think when you said that the discounts should flow to the patients instead of the hospital, I think that's right. I think that you shouldn't have millionaires getting drug discounts through this program. Um, and there should be some income thre threshold on the patients that can receive 340B drugs. I also think that they need to change the eligibility requirements because with the expansion of Medicaid, too many hospitals uh, qualify for this program, many of them not in impoverished areas. Um, right. And so they're, they're arbitraging the discounts and the people wandering into their emergency rooms are not necessarily poor. Um, so they ought to tighten it up the eligibility requirements. I don't know whether the hospital sites and their satellite offices can only be located in certain areas that have a certain um, right. um, income, but Congress ought to be looking at that because uh, we can't. Is there have any appetite from Congress to fix this? <laughs> yeah, I think I think yes. Um, it's they know. I think Congress knows how bad the program is, but okay. you know, I, I'll put my lobbyist hat on because I was one long sure. time ago. And you know, hospitals are just very, very influential employers yep. in every congressional district. And this program is expanding and it's probably going to include 3,000 hospitals soon, which means every member of Congress is going to have a couple 340B hospitals in their districts, which right. are big employers. So, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I think the transparency thing might be the easiest thing to do um, mm -hmm. because you're not harming the hospital's revenue. You're not, you're not going after them in any legal way. You're just saying, hey, tell us what's going on. Yeah. Uh, with this with this program, and that, that might be the, the one thing that could pass, but I, I just don't know. I'm not a Hill staffer anymore. I was 30 years ago, but not anymore, so I can't guess on the votes. But we're getting into a situation, it seems, where the federal government's paying for medical care. Like, oh, absolutely. We don't want a single-payer system, but we, you know, with Medicaid expansion, they're paying 90%, and now they're picking up the cost of these drug differentials that, that are, that's going to the hospital bottom lines. It's like, we need to figure out how to... How, how, how to reverse course on some of this. Yeah, or, the federal government is going to be pay for 50% of, of healthcare in the United States very soon. And the commercial private health insurance plans are going to drop to in the 30% you uh, think? range. Yeah, that's that's where we are now. I looked, okay. was looking at some data on it this morning. Um, and and that's uh, that's not a place you want to be because you're going you're going towards the European system, which many people like. <laughs> Um, I happen to know that if you get sick in Europe, you don't want to be there. That's you know, right. It's fine to be healthy. You get insurance and it's free and that, that sounds great. But if you get some rare form of cancer, you're not going to get the drug and you're not going to get treated quickly. And um, Not quickly, for sure. Yeah. When the government gets this heavily involved, it, it doesn't go well for the patients. And it's essentially a monopoly. I mean, the pricing is is 
is uh, is a huge problem when you know you have hospitals consolidating and a lot of doctors. Uh, offices are now are part of major corporations. You know what I mean? And it's yep. no longer just, uh, I, I graduated medical school. I'm going to get together with my friend and open up a practice. That doesn't even happen. I don't think people realize that that doesn't happen that much anymore. Yes. But it's now and, and major corporations. 340B has accelerated this. this In what way? More corporate takeover. 340B has accelerated the corporate takeover of physician practices because hospitals are going out into the suburbs and buying physician practices so that they can lure in patients who have insurance and they can get the reimbursement from their insurance company on the discounted drugs. So it's, it's perverse incentives all the way around. Wow. That's crazy. Um, how do the companies like express scripts and the pharmaceutical management companies, how do they uh, factor into this? <laughs> well, they make, they make a lot of money on it. I um, thought that's what I was thinking. They must make a lot of money. Yeah, the, the they first of all they own a lot of the specialty pharmacies um, oh. where patients might get infused with an oncology drug. So if they they hospitals give them very generous reimbursement in those specialty pharmacies because they want the business, they want to be able to arbitrage the discount that they're getting. So they they partner with the PBMs to give them very lucrative reimbursement on specialty pharmacies. They also have looped in the federal government made the decision. I don't know why. It used to be that you could only have one pharmacy giving out the 340B drugs on the hospital grounds. Okay. The federal government said, no, you can contract with any number of pharmacies you want. So, so CVS, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid. CVS and Walgreens are the two biggest contract pharmacies. They're for-profit chains that are now making billions and billions of dollars on the 340B program because they're dispensing 340B drugs at very generous uh, reimbursement rates because the hospitals want more patients. Um, wow. it, and it's, it's like mass general, which is one of the largest hospitals in Massachusetts. It's a Harvard hospital, an excellent hospital. And I think in 2016, they had one pharmacy dispensing their 340B drugs and they now have 140 pharmacies <laughs> dispensing their 340B drugs. So there are a lot of people making a lot of money on this program, and it's just not nonprofit hospitals. It's for-profit entities like pharmacy benefit managers and, and retail pharmacies. Wow. You're like a whistleblower, Bill. This is- uh, it, you, you heard know, it here I, first. <laughs> the more I looked at it, the more I couldn't believe it. You're like, it. no and, way. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it all goes back to the fact that Congress just wrote the law poorly. When you write a law poorly, and it, it, it has all sorts of downstream implications because people start gaming the system. Sure. And that's what's happened with this program. Wow, and people freak out over for-profit charter schools. It's yeah. A tiny yeah. little slice compared. I say that all the time. You know, public funds go to for-profit entities all the time. That is not, you know... Uh, doesn't go against our legal system at all. But in cases like this, I just think it's something that people don't realize. And I think most people would agree that people who can't afford uh, drugs and they need them should get them. But doesn't this lead to it also to an incentive to overprescribe and to prescribe the most expensive drug in the toolbox, not the that's, most effective? That's precisely right. So um, wow. if, if a patient comes in to a satellite office from a 340B uh, hospital, and they can they can prescribe that patient a fifty thousand dollar drug or a hundred thousand dollar drug. They're going to make a lot more money on the hundred thousand dollar drug. And there there is evidence that 
costs, uh, drug costs in the 340B program growing a lot faster than any other area, um, than other hospitals or non-340B. Um, in defense of these hospitals and, and uh, drug stores, they're just doing what's in their self-interest to do, right? That is it, capitalism. I mean, the system is set up with a, group, with a set of incentives and they are responding to the incentives and the way that you should respond to incentives. It's just the incentives are wrong. Yeah, it's perfectly legal. I'm not. I'm sure. not alleging they're doing anything criminal. Um, but you, I think you can take them to task for not spending more on charity care because I, right. I did see examples of hospitals and clinics that were spending a good portion of their revenue on local community programs, and I saw other hospitals that were spending almost nothing. Or that that at a time when I knew their 340B revenue was growing substantially, they were cutting and cutting and cutting their charity care programs. That's terrible. So where do you go from here with this with this uh, topic? Are you continuing to just monitor it? Or are you looking into other states? Um, well, I, I want to do as many things like this as I can to build awareness of it, because it seems like yeah. such a wonky, nerdy program. It is wonky and nerdy, which I'm but like. But it's gigantic. But, <laughs> yeah, but it's so gigantic. Um, so Brilliant. I want to build, build awareness. I'm, I was invited, actually, to Capitol Hill to talk to Republicans uh, about this program in May. So I'm going to go down and do and do that. I don't know, I don't know what their temperature is for doing any reform, but um, it's it's gratifying to be invited. Um, and 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 states are starting to take an interest in this yeah. because states could, you know, uh, nonprofit hospitals um, have to register with the state under tax laws and have to provide certain information. And states potentially could ask them about their revenue numbers for 340B. So the states might be able to do some transparency mm. on this. Um, uh, you know, it depends on the state's constitution and laws and, and all those things. But I think some states would be permitted, and I think Massachusetts would be permitted to ask for those numbers as part of a nonprofit filing. Um, mm. So that's one thing we're going to look at um, because I think the transparency course is the the easiest and the best. Just Let's shine a little sunlight on this program and how much people yeah. are m m money they're making and how much they're spending it on community programs. Yeah, and that's what we are starting to do at the Show Me Institute. And our, our uh, my colleague, Elias Chapellis, who's working on this, also did a lot of work on Medicaid expansion. And unfortunately, it's just topic areas that are hard to explain to people in an elevator. You know, it's like yeah. you need a lot of words to understand what's happening, but we're, we're going after it, too, because you know, what we hear more often is that our poor hospitals are closing because they don't have enough money. And it doesn't seem to be the case. What I do think is happening is consolidation and some are making a ton more money and some aren't able to make it. So I think that, um, you know, we need to, we need to find a way to fix that. Well, I appreciate so much. I appreciate your expertise. Um, we've got to come up with a snappy name for three, 340B. Um, I, I know hospital discount program or something. Yeah, we, gotta, we need we need a marketing tool. We need a snappy name, but I do think people will will catch on and uh, you know at least expose the shortcomings in this program because Lord knows you know we need the money. So yeah. thank you so and, much. And I really appreciate it. One thing we didn't talk about is even patients get harmed under these programs because if they go in to a 340B satellite hospital office and they get prescribed a more expensive drug. They might have co-insurance or a copay or something that they have to reach deeper into their pocket because That's there's right. this incentive to prescribe more expensive drugs. So a lot of people are, are getting harmed with this program. All right. Well, good governance. We're all about it. So thanks so much. 
Thank you, Susan. Appreciate Thank it. you for having me. Thank you, Zach. Yep. Nice chatting. Bye Take now. care.